Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. Our title today is Why Leaders uh, Need More Than a Quiet Time. Why leaders, actually why all of us, why we all need more than a quiet time. And it's going to be a part one of a two-part uh, series. Just too much for me to possibly fit into one podcast. So I want to tra- I want to contrast traditional devotions to what I'm going to simply call transformative devotions and what are some elements that would make it transformative uh and in particular we're going to get into the riches of the treasure of the daily office now my history is uh when i came to christ at the age of 19 uh, i i began quiet times or devotions and loved them uh always loved them and was reared in intervarsity christian fellowship a parachurch ministry working with university students around the world uh big emphasis for us was to get people establishing a quiet time and uh, it was it's a wonderful emphasis and, and thrust and i remember uh reading through the bible through a tool called search the scriptures uh, i must have it was a way to go through the entire bible as part of one's devotions and i must have done that search the scriptures you know kind of a guided reading through the whole of scripture probably four or five times and uh so i would often spend probably an hour to two hours a day, uh, especially once I was on staff at the varsity. And it wasn't legalistic for me. I loved it. Uh, loved being with Jesus, except for my uh, few dark nights of the soul where I was very difficult uh, because I didn't, wasn't feeling God at all. And I probably had five or six in my lifetime where I was angry at God, but I still kept at it. You know, I, I, I was steady. But in general, I have, as a whole, never felt a have to with regards to quiet time or devotions. I loved it. But I was very heavy on learning uh, and scripture, which was, well, of course, good. I, and very heavy on intercession. Uh, a lot of time was spent on intercession. Um, and I, again, theologically, uh, God couldn't move unless I prayed. Uh, lots of intercessory prayer meetings. Uh, I am a believer in the power of intercession. Uh, in fact, when we do the emotion of discipleship course, um, we make sure we mobilize people to pray for the people in the course. Uh, however, in my devotions, that intercession thrust became a burden. It became a weight. Uh, something got off balance there. And I, I preached multiple times on scriptures and, and love certain scriptures like Luke 18, where Jesus tells a parable to show that they should always pray and not give up. And he tells a story, the parable of the, of the widow. Uh, in, in, it's a certain judge there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow came, kept coming to this judge over and over again, grant me justice against my adversary. The judge refused, but finally the judge says, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see she gets justice. And Jesus makes the application. And will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth. And so uh, passages like this, I, I love them. Uh, very important to me. Even Jesus, interesting at the right hand of the Father, uh, Romans 8, 34, mustard seed faith. We have faith as small as a mustard seed. We can move a mountain. And Pentecost came out of a prayer meeting. And so I, I was steeped in uh, vision and passion for revival, the revivalism of uh, within our evangelical tradition, You know, going back to the first and second great awakenings and so in my first 17 years as a Christ follower, 
uh, you know, through university staff, through church planting, seminary, evangelism on the streets, uh, very, very heavy on intercession. Um, and but I would I would call this an imbalanced uh, thrust. And that's when I realized that quiet time once a day is not enough. And my revolution happened in uh, my exposure to monasteries and the daily office as had been as had been practiced for thousands of years by monastics and it was my experience of being in a benedictine monastery uh for you know a week weekends etc that it was that immersion in that lifestyle observing it feeling it participating in of praying multiple times a day the daily office that transformed uh my understanding of a quiet time traditional devotions into something that truly began to transform me uh, devotionally. And so I want to talk to you about the daily office and some of the riches of it today uh, and actually lead you into some practical steps you might take going forward. Uh, the, the word office actually means work of God, uh, the daily work. And the most important work we do is to be with God. That's, that's what it actually means, daily office, too. It's not uh, going to work. It's The work is God, to be with him. It's prayer. And it's meant to reorient us so that we're abiding in him all day long. It's a rich treasure through history. And actually it goes back to uh, Moses. And I'll talk about that next week. Uh, in his 40 years of leading the people of Israel, it goes back to David, Daniel, the ancient Jews in Jesus' time had a rhythm of daily offices. The early church practiced the daily office. You see that in the book of Acts. And then we see it picked up by the Desert Fathers in the second, third, fourth centuries, fifth centuries. Then it becomes part of monasticism and the church um through the till the reformation and then to this day in monastic communities uh seven or eight times a day we see this thrust on the office and uh and it's really about a prayer it's not it's intercessory prayer as much as contemplative prayer or being with god prayer communion which i'll explain to you so it's so it's a learning to balance my life in such a way that there's a continuous awareness and attention to God's presence. Now, Muslims uh, historically picked this up from Christian monks, and they pray five times a day, but they they learn this from monks. And the reason this is so challenging for us uh, is because our uh, the riches of our tradition uh, as evangelicals and uh, you know charismatics, Pentecostal, wherever you are, and coming coming into this is is, is an, an overemphasis on doing, uh, do something and, and mission and mobilization, which is wonderful. The problem is our great weakness is uh, we don't really have a lot of space for something called, you know, silent stillness, the daily office, because we are about intercession, getting it done. And our, our emphasis, our overemphasis on one rich truth, like the Great Commission, leads to an underemphasis on other biblical truths like being still and silent before the lord and so we forget that our interior tendency our, our self-will's tendency is bent to go our own way uh and that's why a quiet time once a day i'm going to argue here is not enough uh we need to pause uh multiple times a day with some other characteristics in that pausing that will enable us to really abide in his presence in a surrendered space to him uh, 24 hours a day. So it's about stopping, slowing down, centering, pausing, not hurrying. And the goal is not to get something from God, it's to be with God. And so I'm I'm doing this two-part podcast because I've come to a place that I, I'm fully convinced that leaders, 
regardless of where you are around the world listening to this, we need to uh, upgrade, shift the way we're doing devotions from a traditional devotion to something transformative like the daily office and slowing down our lives to seek his face, to rest in him. Uh, and that regardless of where you are right now, what your role might be, maybe you're a you're a pastor, you're a missionary, you're a marketplace leader, you're working in the nonprofit sector, uh, perhaps you're a leader in your church, uh, maybe you're, you're a leader of ushers or a small group or a ministry, uh, and you work um, you know, bivocationally, and you're, perhaps you're a mom or dad at home, or you're a police officer, or you're in a business, or you're in a public school, um, or maybe you're involved in some kind of you know community development work. But the greatest gift that we can give people is no doubt, it's our experience of Jesus. It's, it's the person of Jesus flowing out of us. Uh, and so what I want to invite you to in these podcasts, these next two podcasts, is a shift in the whole direction of your life, to a, a changed orientation, a, a conversion in a sense. Um, and, and the question is, how do I structure and find a rhythm in my life so I can live in continuous awareness and attention to the seeds that God is sending my way uh, each day, you know, every day. And uh, so I want to invite you to the practice to integrate this ancient treasure that has been called the daily office. Uh, not meeting with God simply once a day, but two and then three or four times a day. Uh, and imagine everyone in your ministry uh, that you're leading, doing the same thing, pausing to be with God two, three times a day to remember him with the goal of uh, abiding in him all through the day. And so what I've done is we, we, when I first started this process in 2003, it's been 17 years now, and it has totally transformed my life, uh, I began to write daily offices for our church. And now I, I remember reading and learning from all kinds of people. I, I was reading Roman Catholic, I was reading Orthodox, I was reading, you know, much Anglicans have written daily offices, um, Northumbria community, which I'll mention a bit later. But I was trying to write different types of daily offices and figure out what's what would work in a missional church, evangelical church. And uh, and so what we're making available to you now is one of my first uh, and, and best tools to, to get people started in the early days. And uh, I'm going to invite you to download that as a, and I'll try to integrate this through these next two podcasts from our website. It's free. Uh, go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash daily office, emotionallyhealthy.org slash daily office. And you can download a version uh, either for your mobile phone, which I recommend because it's easy, or a PDF that you can you know carry with you. And it's got a morning, midday, and evening office and something to get you started on building a rhythm of the daily office into your life. Okay. So again, it's emotionallyhealthy.org slash daily office. Download that, have it at your side, and I will talk about it uh, you know, a couple different times in the next two weeks, but now let's, let's dig into it. What shifted for me? What was a, why was this so transformative? And, uh, so I've determined there's four things that, that move devotions from a traditional devotions to something I'm going to call transformative. And, uh, it's, uh, first is rhythms. Second is silence. The third is communion with Jesus as a focus. And the fourth is lots of flexibility and freedom. Okay. So it's rhythm, silence, communion with Jesus, freedom, flexibility. All right. So I'm going to take each one at a time. Uh, I won't finish it by any means and I'll have to come back and probably touch on one and two, but I want to just try to get through rhythms and silence today to get you, to get you started because we're talking about building a rhythm, first of all, into your days. Now, the world we live in is chaotic. It's fragmented. It goes 24 seven. The world does not know rhythm. It's chaotic. 
but God built us for rhythms. And many of you have heard me talk about Sabbath, which is a the you know the classic spiritual practice that six days we are to work, one day we are to Sabbath to the Lord our God. And so our weeks are not meant to just go one day into the next. They are actually meant to have a rhythm to them of work and Sabbath, work and Sabbath, work and Sabbath. And so in the same way, we're built for rhythms in our days. So let's think with me for a moment. Nature has rhythms, day and night. You know, the tides go in and out. We breathe in, we breathe out. We wake up, we go to sleep. The seasons are a rhythm of, you know, fall, winter, spring, summer. And so in the same ways, we as human beings, we, we've been wired for rhythms. In fact, the, when the Sabbath commandment is given, uh, the first reason given in Exodus uh, chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, is that just as God built the, you know, created the world in six days, uh, but the seventh was a Sabbath to the Lord your God, that he himself uh, had a rhythm. And so he invites us, because we're image bearers of him, we've been made by him to the same rhythm. It's part of being an image of God, woman or man. We have built in longing and design for uh, rhythm. And so what I want to invite you to is, is this, in fact, Genesis chapter two is, is, is a, a three and the whole fall it is Adam and Eve's failure to embrace the rhythm. They were to work and then they were to stop. Uh, they were to rest. They were to not eat from the tree of the garden of the fruit of the, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They were to pause right there, but they didn't. They rebelled. They just kept going. So my invitation is to see yourself first as a, as a, in a sense, a monk. You're a prayer. You're a seeker after God. Your identity is not as a leader, a pastor, a strategist, uh, whatever your role might be. You are a, uh, in a sense, a contemplative. You're a seeker after God, like David. That's how he understood himself. Well, he had many diff different roles as poet, as king, as warrior. Uh, in Psalm 27, we get an insight into him where he says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon his beauty and to seek him in his temple. And the daily office I'm inviting you to download from our website has that as the morning prayer every day that you pray that, that that is, that's who you are, a seeker after God. So the issue in this issue of rhythm is not how long the pauses are. It's, it's, it's figuring out how do I get a rhythm in my days so i'm anchored in god all through the day and the daily office does that for us as i said earlier i've been doing this for 17 years and it has utterly transformed my life i remember meeting uh and spending time with a trappist monk who had been practicing the daily office for over 50 years and i remember it was i was with them and it was somewhere around midday prayer time and uh I asked him about the offices. He, he still does the offices as part of his monastery. But he said to me, Pete, at this point, uh, there is no pause of being with Jesus. My, my whole life is one of prayer. Every waking hour as I'm active and doing stuff, I am in a place of you know, deep prayer as if I was in silence alone. And I remember at the time, looking at him like, I have no idea what he's talking about. But now that I have been in it, you know, this period of time, I am beginning to get it. I, I, I that it's, it's what Meister Eckhart talked about, actually the, the 1200s, that your, your activity and your contemplation are meant to be one, not actually compartmentalized into two, but 
we need the, the two parts initially to get us started the moving of how do I do my being and my doing together? Uh, so here, here's the two great biblical examples of rhythm because this issue of rhythm and I want to I want to encourage you I want to plead with you to to battle uh, to not give up on establishing a rhythm of your days in your days of being with Jesus and the two great biblical examples are are Daniel and then David uh Daniel if you remember uh he along with the other uh Israelites of his day were carried off by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians when they when they defeated Jerusalem and, and raised it to the ground and with with their Babylonian gods and he was carried off as a slave and it looked like the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob had been defeated the temple was demolished and Babylon represented all the worst of human achievement glory pride and power and so here's Daniel a young man he's brought to the Babylonian court of the king to the universe the best university in the land and for three years he studies as things like astrology and medicine and myth and religion and literature uh, and a completely alien thought world uh, with magic and sorceries and all these things that were banned in Israel. Uh, and he was being educated by a cast of priests that were Babylonian pagans uh, and where wisdom and religion was all mixed together. Now, just imagine for Daniel, he's he's with new language, new clothes, new food, new friends, new teachers. His family's lost thousands of miles away. And Babylon has Babylon, Babylon has one goal, to assimilate Daniel. They actually change his name. Uh, and it's really a great picture of the world we live in. Even though you may be in vocational leadership, uh, or maybe you've been in serving Jesus for a very long time, it, it is the goal of Babylon, which is pictured in the book of Revelation as behind the, the world power or demonic power seeking to absorb you into her system. Uh, it's a way of looking at life. It's an orientation. Uh, we're, we're, we live in a Babylon, uh, all of us. And behind Babylon is the great dragon or, or Satan herself, the media, technology, uh, just try fasting from your phone uh, or movies or connectivity for you know a month. But it, it, Revelation gives you this picture. We're drunk. We're intoxicated by Babylon, and we can't see straight. And so it, it's, our, it's our culture. And so even though da Babylon's trying to absorb Daniel and, in a sense, suck him in, he is committed to a oneness with God and the will of God. And loving God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so we pick up this famous story in that context in Daniel 6.10, where uh, the, the following Nebuchadnezzar came the next emperor, King Darius, and he makes a decree that everyone must bow to him in worship. And we get an insight into David's lifestyle, into his rhythms, where it says when he heard about this decree from the emperor uh, and the King Darius, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened to Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed giving thanks to God as he done before. And so we we see his lifelong habit of a rhythm of what we're calling the first work of God, daily office work, the first work of God, which is to be with God. And that's amidst the pressure, what enabled him to be distinct and extraordinary was his rhythms of being with God. And he thrives spiritually. We see the same thing in, da in David. One of the reasons David's a man after God's own heart uh, is he had a rhythm uh, in his life now, scholars don't know exactly what this rhythm was like, but we see it, we observe it specifically in the Psalms. And if you study morning, afternoon, and evening uh, in the, as, as word studies in the Psalms, you see an amazing theme. You'll see him writing things like, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. I think of you through the watches of the night. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me. At midnight I rise to give you thanks. He writes in Psalm 119, uh, verse 164, seven times a day do I praise you. 
It is good to praise the Lord in the morning and your faithfulness at night. Psalm 92. In Psalm 55, he writes, Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out to you in distress. And again, we're not sure what his rhythms were, but he had some kind of rhythm of being a king functioning, and then he would go to the temple, and, and seven times a day do I praise you. And, and he had this rhythm. And so my invitation to you is, is by getting a rhythm is to perhaps you're doing some kind of devotions in the morning to uh, to add one now, to add a second one. And maybe the easiest one to add is right before you go to bed, what's called Compline. Uh, right before you go to bed, have an office, before you close your eyes. And it may be something as simple as a, you know, the Lord grant me and those I love a, a peaceful night and a perfect end. Uh, simple prayer, the Lord's prayer. It could be read a scripture, it could be something devotional, something to remind you of God. And it can be very brief, but you open your day and you close your day with God. Uh, the most powerful, of course, and, and the most difficult is midday between 11 and 2. Uh, to figure out when can I stop and pause to be with God, even only if it's only for five minutes. But it's getting a rhythm. And I, I mean, that's the ideal. If morning, maybe just stop midday. And gonna, gonna use, I want to encourage you to use a daily office that you're going to download from our website to get you started. Um, and then something at night just to kind of close your day. Now, again, my midday can be short and your midday might only be two minutes. Or maybe it's 20 minutes. Uh, the goal is not to get through the daily office Again, even the, in, even the structure we're giving you to get started by any means, the goal is connect with Jesus uh, to get from chaos to rhythm and that your life is Jesus. It's not leadership. I remember uh, I went to visit the North Umbria community, which is the north of England uh, in early 2000s. And they at the time were using a daily office and they would pray the same scriptures uh, for their daily office every day, you know, morning, midday, and evening. And, and the same thing with the Benedictine monks, there were certain scriptures they would pray every day. And I thought to myself, boy, that would get really dull and boring. But I found out that wasn't the, tr wasn't the truth at all. And, uh, and so actually there, were, there was, in my early days especially, um, and in the daily office, I'm encouraging to download, there are certain scriptures that you'll find in there that I would use every day for for years. I'm not so much anymore, but I was very, very helpful. And so you'll see like, for example, Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. And uh, that's part of the, the evening prayer. And I just remember you just stopped me. Like I pictured myself on the walls, you know, in, in a city, a walled city looking out. I, I wait for the Lord as a watchman waits for the morning, as a watchman waits for the morning. I'm just... Um, my life is waiting on the Lord, uh, looking for him, looking to him. Uh, he's my model. And, um, you know, from, from Psalm 130, it's great. I remember in the afternoons from Psalm 90, establish the work of our hands, dear Lord. Establish the work of my hands. So I was always involved in some kind of work in the midday. Another great tool. All right. Let me let me move to silence here. So, so what makes a transformational devotion is, one, I get a rhythm in my day. So I want to invite you to do that. The second is silence. It changed my life when I began to integrate being still and silent before the Lord. It changed everything. And I think one, one of the, the distinctives of uh, the daily office or transformative devotions is that silence is a part of that. It's a core part of it. And silence just, it just stopped me. It just did something so... And I've seen it now in thousands of other other people as they've entered into uh, this, how silence does something. I, you can't even, even put your, your handle on it. It's a dimension of prayer. Now, 
We believe in all kinds of prayer. I believe in worship. I believe in confession. I believe in intercession. I believe in warfare prayer. I believe in groaning, Romans 8, thanksgiving, and laments. Uh, but I also believe in a contemplative prayer, of being a silent prayer, of being still before the Lord and waiting patiently for him. Uh, Habakkuk 2.20, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. I mean, that is prayer. Let all the earth be silent before him. And unlike other religions and their silence, because every world religion has silence, uh, or, even, or even secular silence, which is now very popular in something we call mindfulness, uh, which is, you know, it's, it, does, it does a lot of good for people. We're talking about a being silent as God originally created it, which is we're to be silent before him. It's about a relationship with the living God, who is the creator of silence. And we see that, for example, in Elijah, who lived in the wilderness apparently for years, and, and his silence, his leadership flowed out of silence uh, in the desert. Uh, in fact, silence is, is, I would argue, the beginning of spiritual leadership because it enables us to listen. And without listening, without being present to God, we end up just leading out of our own minds and our own ideas. And the, the silent prayer just separates us from all of our projects and all of our control. Uh, and, uh, you know, the average silence in church is less than 15 seconds. Elijah had years. So did John the Baptist and Moses. Uh, again, how much listening can actually be done if there's no time set aside with God for silence? And so it is essential that this becomes a regular, normal part of your days. Uh, silence is the work of church. It's the work of us as leaders. It's life and death. And, and I want to, uh, before I give you a couple of tips here, I want to want to plead with you to hang in there with it because it's it's incredibly difficult to begin in your life. To understand, you have, you have a, think of yourself 400 years in Egypt, a certain way of living without any silence. I'm talking about integrating into your life every day the practice of silence and stillness before the Lord. Listen, here's 10 reasons real quickly and why to hang in there with silence before I give you my tips. One is we know God in ways that can only be known that happen in silence. Be still and know that I'm God. There's knowledge of God that only comes to us in silence. Uh, we, we learn to mature in our relationship with God. Number two, beyond our feelings, when we when we embrace silence, when we embrace silence, we, we learn to we learn to listen to God in all of life in a better way. We actually relax. Number four, we slow down. We, we soften. And number five, we're transformed into Christ's image as our old self dies, our new self its birth. We, we, we when we embrace silence, we actually grow in compassion and love for other people. We, we actually listen more. We we talk less. We're less in a hurry to fix people, to run after the next spiritual gimmick. We're, we're actually able to see idols in ourselves and others all around us. And, and there's a, a courage comes forth in us to, to step out into the unknown with Jesus uh, because we're, we're, we're more free. So let me invite you and a couple of things that, to do to kind of get started with silence. Uh, one is just imagine you sit before the Lord and, and just just paying attention to your breathing. And as you inhale, just, just feel that the breath of God going into you. It's a, the God's life pouring into the base of who you are. It, it, he's sustaining you. He's giving you life. And his love is coming in. So you're receiving his love and the life of God coming into your very being, sustaining you as you breathe in. And as you breathe out, you offer your love back to him. You're breathing in, you're inhaling and, and receiving his love coming in every moment, every nanosecond, filling you with his life. And as I exhale, I surrender, Lord, my love to you 
uh, and I love, I say, I love you back. I breathe and he's saying, I love you, Pete. And I breathe out and I love you, Lord. It's a wonderful way to do silence and just do that for, you know, a couple of minutes. Or uh, taking from John Cassian, his great work on the conferences in the fifth century, he talks a lot about uh, in prayer, when your mind is distracted, having a prayer phrase or word that every time you find yourself distracted, you come back to this prayer phrase. So I've used for years, Abba, your father. And I come before the Lord, Abba. And I'm just being in his presence. I don't want to be interceding. I don't want my mind to be thinking about things. I want to just be thinking about him. I want to be in communion with him, the living God. Uh, and so every time I find myself distracted, again, I'm often paying attention to my breath. I go, oh, Abba, Abba. And every time I find myself distracted, I go, oh, Abba. And another final way to do your silence is just surrender. You know, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I just surrender my hand. My palms are up towards heaven. I'm surrendering my will. That's the Garden of Gethsemane. That is, the, that is our life work. These are muscle silence for exercising, and you are made for it. And I promise you, if you'll stay with it, you will rediscover those muscles that are probably very dormant, and you will come alive, and then you'll never live without it. And so I want you to imagine waking up in the morning for a rhythm of being with God and some silence built in that. That alone. Uh, and uh, again, use a timer for a minute, two minutes. And believe me, your soul will grow. You'll need more uh, up to 20 minutes a day. And so we'll talk about communion with Jesus and flexibility, which are two other core components. But um, I want to invite you again to download emotionallyhealthy.org slash daily office. It's a free guide to get you started. It's got a lot of words in it. Don't worry about doing everything in the office. The goal right now, I want you to get get, get it. Uh, emotionallyhealthy.org slash daily office just to get you started. Put it on your phone morning, midday, evening. And uh, again, it was my initial start to get you started on trial and error. Now, I've been asked about that. What about the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality day-by-day -day book, uh, daily office and Emotionally Healthy Relationship daily office books? Uh, they are part of the course because we want every the EH Discipleship course, and they are great tools going forward. And I'll talk about them a bit more next week. But uh, it, it's it's a it's a more refined way of getting this into your life uh, every day for a actually 16 weeks to get people started uh, morning and evening twice a day five days a week. And, and of course, they're, they're great tools. But for now, get that daily office. Get yourself started with some rhythms and some silence before the Lord. I look forward to finishing this next week. Thank you, everybody. It's been great to be with you. God's blessing. You have a wonderful, wonderful day.